0: And, uh, yeah, so Global Impact, it's our annual conference, so I encourage you to come up. It's on the 2nd to the 4th of July, and, uh, yeah, it'll be great. So if you want to come, come. Otherwise, we're going to get into the Word. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to preach tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray for open hearts, open minds. Lord, like a parachute. Lord, <laughs> if you are here this morning, uh, <laughs> just parachutes fill in this place, Lord. Uh, more open hearts, actually, Lord, that um, the Word would be sown. Uh, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that whoever preaches your word, it's your word. And Lord, so we can receive tonight. So I thank you uh, for your presence in this place. Thank you for what you're about to do. And everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, preaching on, funny because Pastor Mike was talking about being connected and knowing God. And the last week we met, we had Pastor Rob the week week before. Week before that, we talked about uh, how God is in us and we are in God. And there is no room for separation because he's in us and... We're in him. You can't get any closer than that. So I'm not going to rehash that message. But we had a whiteboard. We had various diagrams. We had at least four sheep jokes, and <laughs> it was just some beautiful night. Beautiful night. And uh, so I wanted to talk about that this again tonight because I and the reason why is not because I don't have anything else to preach about. That could be half the reason. The other half of the reason is that I actually believe this is a, a big deal in the new covenant that we actually get to know God. It's massive, and it's, and it's so overlooked, but it's massive that we actually get to be connected with God. And, it, and it's not only a massive thing uh, in, the, in, our, in the new covenant, but I also believe that it's uh, a core value of who we are as a community. And so I, I don't mind spending time on that because church is not a place where everyone comes to hear from one person that heard from God. Church is a, is a place filled with people who have a personal relationship with Jesus, that hear Him as well, and read their Bible as well, and have a living relationship with God. You don't come to, to church every Sunday to get topped up based on my relationship with God. Hopefully you already have your own. And so I think a healthy church is a church where every individual is connected to God. I think an unhealthy church is when one person hears and tells everyone else <laughs> what God's saying. And I'm not talking about leadership or, um, you know, that we shouldn't have teachers and all that kind of thing. I'm just saying there should be a personal relationship that should be the center core of who you are as a Christian. And when we gather as a body, it should be confirming some things that the Lord is saying. Amen. All right. So we're going to go to the book of Judges. Get ready. The book of Judges. Get ready to be judged tonight. Going to go heavy. If you know me for three seconds, you know that's probably not going to happen. But <laughs> Judges 2, verse 8. I read this and it just uh, messed, messed me up. Joshua, the son of a nun. That's your second joke tonight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know you can have fun at church, eh? Hey? You can have fun. I like that slow clap. Thank you for that, Jamie. <laughs> Joshua, the son of a nun. Uh, <laughs> the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance, in Timmieth, Heres, I probably pronounce it completely wrong in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, or, work, or the work that he had done for Israel. I want to concentrate on this this morning. There was a generation that rose up that did not know the Lord, didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord, didn't know the Lord, knew of the Lord had heard stories of the Lord, but did not know the Lord or His works. We've heard stories of the things God has done, but we've never experienced it ourselves. Therefore, one generation dies off, another generation rises, they don't know the Lord. Not a a good place to be, right? Uh, Know all the works that He had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were all around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. I'm going to skip forward to verse 18 and 19. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge. And He saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to to pity by their groanings because of those who were afflicted and oppressed by them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them, bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. That's another message right there. Joshua 24, 31. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did Israel I know I'm speaking really fast because I just want to get to the point tonight because we cannot be content for a generation not to know God we cannot be content to live a Christian life that rests on our experiences and encounters of knowing God and not inviting the next generation into it if you read through the whole book of judges and, and Joshua you'll see that when when there was a man or woman of God that had a relationship with God that heard God that knew God personally uh, even Joshua used to meet with 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 God face to face, Moses met with him face to face, amazing, right, old old covenant, old testament, so imagine what we can do now, no amens to that, <laughs> it would be a sad day if Moses had a better relationship than we did, and he was under the old covenant, and we're under the new, but we don't have the same experience as he had, just throw that out there, I don't know, I just want to know the Lord, like really know him. And so every time there was a man of God, a woman of God, the people would, would, would serve, they would follow the rules, they would do the right things, but as soon as the, the person who knew God died, then they would turn their backs really quickly, and they'd run after other gods, and they'd run, run, after, run after other things, and, and, and I believe that, as Pastor Peter said this morning, I don't know if he agrees with it anymore, I don't believe that Christianity will be extinct because you can't kill Jesus, and Jesus always raises someone up, but I do believe we have a responsibility to make sure that the next generation knows God, Because we can't just live on our glory days. I think so much of us are caught up in the past and what God used to do and and what God has done, but we're not actually inviting the generation into what God is doing now. And that scares me. Because if all we have is glory days, we're not inviting a new generation to know the Lord. We're, we're, We're knowing of the Lord. We're not actually knowing Him. Amen. I believe God is a God of the future as well. So we can't sit by, we can't have this connected life and not invite other people in to experience God like we do. We can't have a connected life and be unconnected to God, but not invite anyone else into that connection. Because we are we are living, walking, breathing uh, sermons, if you if you want to say that tonight. And we have a living relationship with God. God is in us. We are in Him. We are meant to be connected. We are meant to be hearing God. And and I won't apologize at all tonight about saying that because I'm not going to settle for a Christianity that knows of God and doesn't know God, because I believe that Jesus gave us access to know Him. And for us to say, well, we, don't, we can't know God like they used to know God, is, is actually, in my opinion, a heresy. Because Jesus' blood made a way for us to have access to Him. So we can't settle for a Christianity that just seems to be the norm for everyone else. I said the other week that it breaks my heart when I hear people say, you know, I've never really heard from the Lord. I've only heard from Him like twice in my life. And they, and they boast about it. And we celebrate and say, yeah, yeah, I'm just like you. That, that's not cool. That's not something to boast about. It's not something to praise about. You should be hearing the Lord. My, my sheep will hear my voice. My sheep will know my voice, which means He's going to speak to you. You're going to know His voice. I'm not talking about it has to be audible. The Heavens have to part and He thunders out a voice. But He's in here. We have the Holy Spirit. We're actually meant to be living. This connected, led life. Amen? But we are in danger that if we aren't living a current, a current connected life, we are in danger of passing on a Christianity that does not know God. And I say that in a very sober way because I have kids in this church. If all I do is tell my kids about what God did for me and they never experienced God for themselves, I feel I failed as a parent. I have a responsibility to invite my family, invite my kids, invite the next generation into my relationship with God. Or there's going to be another generation who who rises that hears of what God is like, hears of what God used to do, and then they turn their back on God, and then the older generation complains and says, this generation, rah, 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 rant, rant, rant. (laughs) I'm not dishonoring the older generation, but I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Because we can't sit back and just say, Lord, oh, the next generation's lost. They're a lost cause. It's our responsibility, <laughs> as a generation who knows God, to invite another generation to know Him like we know Him. Now, I think a lot of us live our Christian life uh, based on like our great great grandfather. We only know what has been passed on, but we never really personally knew Him. We treat God like that. I read my Bible, this is what God did, this is who He is, this is what He used to do, but He doesn't do it anymore, and He doesn't need to do it anymore because we have the Bible now, and that tells us about what He used to do. I've heard that like a thousand times, and I, please don't say it to my face, I have to restrain myself, <laughs> lay hands on you. He's a real God, it's an invitation to, to, to actually know Him, as Pastor Mike was saying before, and so, so what, but my main point tonight is i am not really got a three-point plan. I actually want to build something into the culture of the church that we want to be a church that actually knows God. And not only do we only want to know Him, and we don't want to live on past glories, we want to do what God is doing now. We want to know God now. If the only testimony you have is the day you got saved 30 years ago, it's time to get a new testimony. Amen? <laughs> Amen? It doesn't stop at one encounter. It does not stop on the day when you put your hand up in church and I got saved. That's awesome. When was that? 30 years ago. Well, what's he saying today? Well, and then we wonder why, we, why we've passed on a Christianity that is about a has-been God who did something in the past, but nothing's happening now. Ooh, that gets me. I'm going to go to Judges 6, 12, verse 13. This is when Gideon, uh, the angel appeared to Gideon, because I actually think that this is, this is this generation's response to us. And I think it's sobering for us to hear it. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, this is, this is the, the, the danger Of us not, not only, I I believe that we should share testimonies of what God has done, but we need to be inviting the next generation into a current relationship. Or else we're going to have responses like this. Where are you now? We've heard of all the things you used to do, God. We've heard of the people that have been healed. We've heard of past revivals. We've heard of past moves of God. We've heard of the great things that God has done in the past. But what is God doing today? And the sad thing is that most of us don't know what he's doing today. So how do we invite another generation into experience him today when we still think that he just did stuff back in the day? No amens. I got some feedback the other week that says, when we're quiet, it's because it's going deep. So I'm just going to trust that it's It's going real deep, (laughs) real deep. Uh, I don't know if this is making sense, but I feel so passionate tonight. We can't just live off past glories. Uh, where was I? And so I think, uh, I think we have lost the, the art of inviting people in to what God has done. We got to have dinner last night, and I won't mention any names who they were, but we got, to, we got to share stories of what God has done in our life. Now, to be honest, there's not a lot of dinner dates I've had with people where we have shared with each other, how God has moved in our life. And by the end of it, we were in tears. We were laughing. We were joking. We felt like we knew each other better. But the reality is that we've lost this art of actually inviting people into our relationship with God and letting them know what God is saying and doing right now. Not just what He did back in the past, but what God is doing right now. So I I share all that to say that we need to be inviting the next generation into our current relationship with God. We need to have a passion and a desire in ourselves even now. Even if, we've no, even if we know God now, there is more to know. There is more revelation. There is more understanding. There is more intimacy. There is so much more to God than what we are currently experiencing. And if we live a life that is connected to God and we invite others into it, that is a beautiful thing. Then we don't run the risk of a generation rising saying we didn't know the Lord; we only knew of Him from what you told us, but we never knew Him. Amen. I don't. I'm just, maybe I'm just preaching as a dad tonight because it's a, it's a, it's a passion in my heart that my kids will know the Lord, and so we want to invite people into that process. You might say, "Well, I'm just going to be super practical tonight." Well, Corey, what does that look like? Well, when we're when we're praying and making a decision, we're asking our kids, "What are you hearing?" What are you hearing? This is what mom and dad are hearing, or this is what mom's hearing, or this is what dad's hearing, or this is what I'm hearing, and you're my friend, and just put yourself in whatever relationship you're in right now. But invite someone else in to hear with you. This is what I hear God is saying. What are you, what are you hearing? Because we want to we we walk through the process of seeking God, hearing God, and obeying God, not just on our own thing, and our kids and, and the people around us have got no idea what's going on. We get to journey through them with that process, And they get to say, I've seen God move through their life. Now I get to do the same and see God move through my life. And I invite someone else to see how God moves in my life. Does this make sense? This is why sharing testimonies and sharing what God is doing is such a beautiful thing. Because we we come on Sundays, we we, we sing songs, we preach messages. No one really knows what anyone's going through. No one knows any testimonies. No one knows uh, what people are facing and answers to prayer. And we just walk out and we think nothing's happening. But really, if you ask the question and you invite people into that, Relationship, you can see that God's actually moving. He's moving and there's a whole generation that are that are wanting to see God move. And it's not that God's not moving, it's that we're not inviting people in to see it. We're not inviting people in to come and, and, and partake and see what God is doing. This is how I hear from God. This is how I pray. This is how this is the, the situation that we're in right now, kids. This is, this is the situation we're in right now, but we're praying and we're believing. What are you hearing? Because this is what we're hearing. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask. I'm going to see what God says to us, says to me. And then we come together as a family. And next minute, a generation has actually known God and encountered God and are not living off past works and past events, but they're living in a current context of God is real. Oh, anyone with me tonight? Jesus didn't pay for a secondhand relationship. Paid for a first-hand relationship. <laughs> Jesus did not die on the cross for you to have a second-hand relationship. He died for you to have a first-hand relationship. He didn't die for you to be, so He would be a friend of a friend. I know a friend of a friend. No, I have personal connection. He's my friend. It's a good time for you to amen. That's That's biblical. He said, I'll be your friend. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends of friends. I call you friends, right? That whole, even that whole word of friendship is this partnership of sharing and knowing each other. You can't be a friend with someone and not talk to them and not hear them and not hang out with them and be like, we're friends. You're not friends. You don't even know them. <laughs> I know this is super basic, but but, but, but my, my invitation because of what Jesus has done is that we actually get to know the Lord. And it is the most overlooked, most, we don't really want to know about that because it sounds too simple. Of course I know the Lord. Well, do you really know Him? Do you really know Him? Do you really know Him? Do you talk with Him? Do you commune with Him? Do you know His presence? Do you know what His voice sounds like? Do you know His nature? Do you know what it's like when He shows up in your bedroom? Do you, do you hear Him? Do you, do you understand when you're reading Scripture? Does it come alive? Are you hearing Him? Are you knowing Him? Are you growing in relationship with Him? Do you know Him better today than what you did yesterday? Or did you know Him really well 20 years ago and now you're not really sure? Are you living off a past friendship from 20 years ago? Or have you met up again and had a reunion? Because He really wants to know you. Because He died on the cross so that there would be no separation. He really, really, really wants to know you. Do we want to know Him? Do we want to experience Him? Because if we're not, if we're not knowing Him, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm more challenging tonight. I'm not really speaking about the doctrine of it. I did that the other week. But my thing is, if we don't know Him, there's, n- there's, there's no hope for the generation coming after us, apart from Jesus. What I'm saying is responsibility as a church family for the next generation to actually know Him. Because if they don't know him, we see what happens in the book of Judges. A man or woman of God rises and everyone's like, we connected to God. And then all of a sudden that person goes and we're like, I don't know if I'm connected to God. You don't live your Christian relationship through a person. You live it through Jesus. <laughs> so it shouldn't matter who the pastor is here. Shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter who's worship leading. Shouldn't matter who's on the coffee. Shouldn't matter who's here tonight and who's not here tonight. You live your relationship through Jesus. Come on. And if that person that you've put your hope in leaves, then it's a good reminder to be like, you know what? I don't actually know if I knew the Lord. I knew the Lord through them as a friend of a friend, but I'm not sure if we were actually friends. (laughs) Does this make sense? Oh, okay. Where should we go? No, I won't go there. Should I go there? No, I won't go there. Yeah. I want to ask a question tonight. What, what are we handing down? What are we handing down to, a, to the next generation? Are we hand, handing down a memory? Are we handing down a, a God of the past or a God of right now? You know, as parents, what are we leaving our kids? Because the, the, the richest legacy we can leave them is actually to know the Lord. Like you could give them all the money in all the world. You give them all the houses. You give them everything, all the material possessions in the world. But to to leave a legacy, for you to leave the planet and know that my kids know the Lord is incredible. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of community where we don't just know the Lord and bring our kids. We all know the Lord. Amen. Even young Udi here. He knows him because he's up the front every week (laughs) singing and dancing. So good. So I want to ask, what, what are we handing down? What are we handing down? Are we just handing down, hey, this is what God used to do? Just another practical example. When's the last time you sat down with your friends, your your your, your family, and said, hey, this is what I used to be like? Because sometimes we don't want to go back because we get embarrassed. I know I do with my kids. I want them to think that I'm a <laughs> great person. There's a Spanish word that we learned last night. I won't say it. I won't repeat it for a naughty boy. And... Uh, <laughs> But how do we expect our kids to know the change that God has made in our life if they never know what we used to be like? When have we taken the moments to say, you know what? I, this is, Dad didn't always used to be this way. It doesn't mean you have to get into the details and, and glorify what used to happen. But to show your kids, hey, hey, Dad hasn't always been like this. Dad had an encounter with Jesus. And Dad is continually having an encounter with Jesus. He's continually being transformed and made into the image of God. Hey, hey son, I used to struggle with that. And Jesus set me free hey, hey daughter i I used to be insecure, and I used to hear what people thought, but then Jesus came and he, and he poured his love on me he He baptized me in his love, as it says in the book of Romans he He poured his love in my heart, and all those insecurities and jealousies they just they just left. Mom wasn 't always this way, or you 're hanging with your friends hey hey I, I used to be super angry, I used to be a psycho i 'm using myself as a <laughs> As an analogy, I'm not pointing any fingers or looking at anyone in the eyes. All right. You <laughs> used to have an anger problem, but then Jesus came. Jesus came, Show me who I was. Because you see it in your kids. When you get them, you see things that try and come up and you think, man, that was me. That's when I get to say, hey, come and know the Lord. Come and know the Lord. Not just, hey, God set me free, no hope for you. No, come and know the Lord. Come and know Him. Come and meet Him and experience Him. Come on, because we don't want a generation rising who don't know the Lord or His works. Come on, we're we're a generational church. Christianity is about generations. It's not about one. One generation and then that's it. But we've seen this in the past. uh, We're actually living in Old Testament pattern. Where one generation is raised up and God moves mightily and then the next one just flops. God raises up another one, and the next one just flops. That's not a new covenant reality. We've got to get out of that perception. That's not how God is moving anymore. God is in us. Amen? I'm going to prove it right now, but we're going to Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8. Let's go. <clears throat> oh, so many one-liners in here. <laughs> you know, are we just living according to the Bible? Or do we want to know the author? You know what the issue uh, is? Do you know what the issue is? I might help myself and the parents and the church in general. We want people to live according to the Bible without knowing the person who wrote it. And we wonder why they don't want to do it. You see it in the book of Judges. Why are we going to serve this God? And do these things and sacrifice this and live according to this plan. We don't even know Him. I'm going to run off and serve Baal. And we're always expecting another generation to live a set of principles void of relationship. And then we want to change laws. We want to fight for laws. But we want to fight for people to know Him. Because when they know Him, the laws make sense. We're trying to make sense out of principles and laws without people actually knowing Him, but it's in our knowing of Him that the laws actually make sense. (laughs) So maybe next time you want your kids to come to church, and you don't want them to do this and stop looking at that and stop going over here, tell them who He is. Then it makes sense why you don't want to do that. Instead of just giving them a bunch of rules about a God who has been and turned up in your life, and that's why you live that way, but I don't know Him, so why would I live that way? It's literally my testimony. I had amazing parents. This is not about bad parenting. This is about living by laws and rules and not knowing the one who made them. And thinking, why am I doing this? Because they make no sense, void of knowing the actual person. That'll help. Amen. Hebrews 8. Now the point, started on there because it just sounded so dramatic. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest. I encourage you to go read through the book of Hebrews. It's amazing. One who uh, Now, the point is what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up. It's amazing because we're in Christ, we're in Jesus, and He's in the holy place. So... Not a trick question, but where are you? In that true tent, the Lord set up, not man. For every priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifice. We know that Jesus offered himself as a perfect sacrifice. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, they serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, He was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old. Just in case you didn't know, the new covenant's actually better. It's the one you want to live in. It doesn't mean that the old was wrong. But I was reading in Romans today that the, 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 the old covenant showed our transgressions. The new covenant sets us free. Amen? Come on. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant He mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For He finds fault with them when He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. He's talking about the new covenant right now, okay? This is this is the, the highlighting part. This is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares so the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. So it just shifted to internal. Shifted from external to an internal. You know why? Cuz there's someone who lives in you now. There's someone who came in you. You are the temple. Of the Holy Spirit. So the laws are now in here. Because He's in here. That sounds very relational. Seems like someone you could know. I'll put my laws in their minds, write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach. Well, that's me tonight going against the Word of God. They shall not teach each one of his neighbors and each one of his brothers saying, know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now it's amazing when the book of Hebrews points out that this better covenant is coming, that the shift that's taking place is, and I'm, I'm going to be very simple tonight. We understand the part where it says, and I'll remember their sins no more. We get that. Anyone in this room gets that. Jesus died for my sins. New covenant. He's died for my sins. I think we're overlooking the part where it says that all will know Him. Because that is just as important as having your sins forgiven. And to have your sins forgiven actually means that you can know Him. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. But the reason why sin's so bad is because sin separates us from God. So when Jesus came and took away our sin, He took it away for a reason. And that reason wasn't just to take away your sin. The crowning point was that you would know Lord, know the Lord. This is our greatest privilege that He has done everything to make it completely possible for you to know Him. And it is the the very point that in Christianity we overlook all the time. Every single one of us would get up here and declare, Jesus forgave my sin. Not every single one of us would get up here and say, I know the Lord. (laughs) I know that He took away my sin, but do I know the Lord? This is making sense tonight, because I think we we continually overlook this. Sin was removed so that the one thing that separated us from God could be taken away so we could actually be one with Him. That's the the beauty of a new covenant. The beauty of a new covenant is that we get to know Him because He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. He's taken everything away. He's become in us. We're in Him. We've become His Temple. We're not his hotel. He doesn't check in and check out. We are his home. He abides in us. He says that we should abide in him. Abide means to continue, to remain, to be present, to remain as one. Ugh. I don't know if that makes anyone excited. But I could preach this for the rest of my life. I will. I genuinely will. And you know why? I'm going to be very bold tonight because I don't believe that a lot of people actually know him. I believe a lot of people know of him and we've made a real mess of things because we don't actually know him. We think we know him. And then someone comes to know him, and then we try and tell him what he's meant to be like, but we don't really know him because we haven't really had a first-hand encounter with him. We just heard from such and such that he's like this. And then we misrepresent him, and then we wonder why a world doesn't want to know him. And then we have a world saying, well, where is he? Where's this God who does all these wonderful works, and where is he? And the church is saying the same thing. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. We should be a church that is so connected to God. We should be a church that is experiencing His hand, His face. We should be a church that is in constant in constant communion with Him. Not because we are a great church, not because that we are superhumans, not because we are the elite of Christianity, but because Jesus made a way for us to actually know Him. So we need a, we need a church that actually knows Him then goes out and makes Him know it that actually invites people into their relationship and says, hey, this is what I heard God for you. Or this is what I heard God. This is what I heard God. And and we may have to be the friend of a friend for them. But our goal out there and in here is for every single person to know the Lord. We are not here to, to, to just be led and just build a church where people don't know God. I know this sounds crazy, but success, success as a ministry is that people from the greatest to the least, from the age of five to the age of 95, every single person knows the Lord. That's success. You hear Him, you know Him. You live according to His Word, not because someone told you to, because you know Him. I know this sounds super simple, but I just believe, I, I said to Jolene the other day, I said, I just want to do myself out of a job. I want people just to know God, hear from Him themselves, done. Then I'll stay on because that'll be easy. <laughs> Jokes. But that is actually the goal of Christianity. In the new covenant, we're not living old covenant. We're not setting up a priest who hears from the Lord and then tells us all what He's saying. We're living in a new covenant. With no one, I'm still trying to rattle my brain how this works tonight because I'm doing this very thing. I'm telling you to know the Lord. (laughs) I shouldn't have to. And I'm not questioning your relationship, but I am. And I'm questioning my own relationship because I want to know Him more. I don't want to be robbed of what I can know of Him because I settled for what everyone else was doing. Or someone else says, oh, you're not really meant to hear from God all the time. It's not normal. It's only for Benny Hinn. No, it's not. It's... Read, good morning, Holy Spirit. You, Every single person in this place has the same relationship, has the same Holy Spirit as any great man or woman of God that you can think of. Nothing has changed in that department apart from our perception that we think that they're super Christians. Every single one of us have a privilege to know Him. Some of us take Him up on that. Others of us are content to just know of Him. And so it's my challenge to you and my challenge to myself, we need to know the Lord. And we need to know the Lord in such a current way that the next generation is involved in it. Amen. Amen. All right. Homework. Homework. I wasn't sure how I was going to do this tonight. I was going to pray for everyone, but I'm not, because you need to learn know the Lord yourself. Pray for yourself. Put your hand on your head and pray for yourself. <laughs> you don't need me. <laughs> Genuinely, I would l- I would love to start this, this week. I don't know your current living situation. If you're a family, if you're in a flat, if you have a friend, I don't know what it looks like for you. But I want to challenge you this week, at least once a week, meet. Meet with your family. Meet with your husband. Meet with your wife. Meet with your kids. Meet with a friend if you're single. Meet with a Potential other single. (laughs) Best of both worlds. (laughs) Meet up once a week. Ask each other, what is God saying? What is God saying to you currently? Invite them in to your relationship. I know this sounds super simple, but we're going to start creating a culture where every single one of us are sharing what God is saying to us. You will learn from the other person you're sharing with how they hear what God's saying to them, and you'll actually find that He's saying the same thing to you most of the time. It'll be a confirmation. Because I don't want to just preach a message and walk out of here. We want to create a culture where people are hearing from God. People are sharing current reality. I want you meeting with your kids. Hey, this is what God said to me. Dad had this really... Really, really terrible thought that put him in a downward spiral. I went and met with the Lord, and the Lord said, This, oh wow, dad encountered the Lord today. What did he say to you, son? Well, dad, I know this sounds super basic, but this is Christianity, husband, wife. This was happening today, I prayed. And then God moved, and this happened. Or I was on the street, I seen a man in crutches. I prayed for his knee. The dude got healed, threw his crutches into Lake Wakatipu. Just threw him in. He was so excited. And the sad thing is that even when I'm saying this, a lot of us are thinking that would never happen. Because we think that's what God used to do. We think that's what God used to do. Because we're not living a current, a current culture where we are sharing what God is saying and doing, and we have responsibility to do it so that the next generation actually knows the Lord and knows His works. Not only that, they are part of it. I remember my kids, the greatest joy that I ever had was my kids coming home saying, so-and-so got hurt from school today. I put my hands on them. I prayed for them. My kids were praying for dogs, anything that moved, but I love that. And you know why? Because, because that was a time in my life where, where, where I was sharing what God was doing in my life, which inspired them to go do the same. That's what a, a generation who is stewarding who God is, that's how they live. I'm not saying that God hasn't done great things in the past. I'm just saying God is a God of the future. And if all we can cling to is what God used to do, and we're not experiencing Him currently, we're missing out. FOMO. I'm not living in FOMO. He's the same God. He's the same God. He still heals. He still delivers. You know, it's actually biblical that we go from glory to glory, not glory days to... Man, you remember back then? Yeah, I know. The good old days. I know I'm at that age. I've got the good old days now. I'm 35 and I start talking about the good old days. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, Corey. Come on. With God, the best days are your future. He's always going from glory to glory. You know, we're 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 heading forward. We're moving forward as a community, as a family. And we're gonna create a culture where we share what God is doing because we we not only want to be uh Giving God glory for what He's doing, but we want to inspire the generation coming after us. Hey, this is not a has-been God. This is a current God. This is a God who is real. This is a God who has paid, paid for you to actually know Him too. Come on, kids, church. Come on, come on, junior high. You don't, you don't have a, you don't have a, a junior Holy Spirit. You don't have a God, a, a little kid God. You have the same God that we do. Actually, kids can probably hear better than we can because we overcomplicate it. Because Jesus actually said, unless you come like a child. Unless you come like a child. That doesn't mean you come acting like a kid. That's weird as a grown person. But it does mean you trust Him. And you expect to hear from your Father. Amen. I'm going to stop talking tonight. God, thank you for the opportunity. To clear your word. God, I pray tonight. That we would be so... I don't want to say inspired because I want to say, I don't know what I want to say. We're not here for motivation. We're not here to be inspired just to go out and be excited for a moment and then just fall back. God, we're here to go forward in you. We're here to look forward to the future of what you have for every single person in this room. You know, God, I, I personally, and I don't know if there's anyone else in this room who wants to do this tonight, and I don't want to make you do it, so you just do it if you want to, but I personally repent for the times I've overlooked the privilege of knowing you. God, that there are men and women all through history who longed, who longed to be in the age that we are in, that they could actually know you, Jesus, you said it yourself that, I don't want to butcher the words, but you said the least in the kingdom in this new covenant is even greater than John the Baptist. And that's because of what you have done, Jesus. You have made it completely possible for us to live a life connected to you we actually get to know you. God, I believe tonight a lot of our issues and problems and our anxieties and our worries and our cares would all be fixed if we would just know you. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're lonely and... There's someone that you love and you know that loves you and all you want to do is just hear their voice. Like If I could just hear their voice, if I could just know them, if I could just connect with them, I would would feel better. I believe that's God tonight. I believe that that cry that is crying out in your heart right now is not a person. It is God Himself. Your worry, your anxiety, that sinking feeling, Is all answered when you actually know Jesus. He died for you. He wants to know you. He doesn't want to live separated from you. And the Bible actually declares in John 17:3 to know Him is eternal life. Eternal life isn't even a destination. It's knowing God. Because He is life. And to be connected to life Himself, that's what gives us eternal life. As Pastor Mike said this uh, during the during the transition, to know Him, to, to even grasp that, that the God of all the universe wants to know us, cares for us. It's actually... Was talking the other night, God, I'm so glad that I'm connected to you. And He said, you know what, son, I, I love living in you. I thought, that's nice. And I know my wife thinks I'm a great temple, but to hear the Lord's... <laughs> Sorry, I just made on contact with my wife. It's not the look I thought I was going to get. <laughs> but even that voice, even that word alone, He actually loves being in you. He chose you to be His temple. He could have lived in a beautiful building created by the hands of man, but He wants to live in His own creation. He wants to live in you. That's where He chose to be. That alone should show us how much He wants to be with us. But I wonder if you're here in this place tonight, you don't know Jesus. You don't know the love of Christ. You you don't know Him. Maybe you know of him, maybe you've heard a few things, but you don't know him.